Many of you often complain about the Uniparty in D.C. Republicans and Democrats say they pretty much control the whole game. And uh, it seems far too often that neither party really cares about you and your freedom when they, whichever party it is, has all the power and control that they want. So we've talked about the Libertarian Party. We've talked about more freedom for everybody. Spike Cohen was on the ticket with Dr. Joe Jorgensen in the last presidential election as a vice presidential candidate. Oops, almost lost him right there. And he's going to be here tomorrow and uh, and Sunday. He's going to be here tomorrow for the Libertarian Party of Delaware annual convention. And uh, let me see. I just want to get this. It's going to be at the Village Event Center, um, 31 West 31st Street in Wilmington. 31 West 31st Street in Wilmington. And the thing starts... Uh, Looks like about uh, 2 o'clock in the afternoon and goes to about 8 o'clock. Spike, uh, Spike missed his, uh, his well, okay, Spike didn't miss his plane. His plane missed him. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> now you're waiting a few extra hours to fly into Philly and come here. Well, see, it's a good thing you're flying in the day before, huh? Yes, that's, this is exactly why. For future reference, for anyone who wants to bring me out to an event, this is why I fly in the day before. Gotcha. And when the flight gets delayed eight hours, we're still good. Now, I have a favor to ask. Are you on speakerphone? Uh, no, but I can. I'm on Bluetooth. Why? Is that a problem? Yeah. Okay. Is that better? Much. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's like someone scratching your back. Little to the left. Oh, that's the spot right there. Yeah, you know. Uh, same thing. It sounds fantastic now. Um, yeah, we've talked about libertarians who uh, get elected because they run as Republicans. Uh, Thomas Massey, for example, Rand Paul, and talk about their policies. And, uh, and, and there are a lot of folks who they hear about the Libertarian Party, don't know really what you're all about. And if they just watched MSNBC, they think, oh, well, uh, you must be uh, communist or racist or both or something. So the, the real truth is it's an organization, it's a political party that's uh, all about freedom and individual rights, no matter who you are and no matter how little or how much money you give. And I, I think that's probably one reason why very few libertarians actually get elected, because you're not beholden to anybody. You're not beholden to Wall Street or, or the banks or, or any of these other organizations. So just give us an overview of what it means to you to be a libertarian. Yeah, so basically uh, you summed up a lot of it. It really comes down to freedom. Libertarians recognize that people do best when we are most free. And we also recognize that conversely, a lot of the problems that we're facing are as a direct result of the fact that there's too much power uh, and too little accountability in the hands of too few people. And uh, we recognize that the solution to these problems is to take that power out of their hands and put it back in the hands of the people where it belongs. That's also why we have a hard time getting elected, because we don't get the hundreds of millions of dollars in corporate funding because uh, we aren't here to uh, you know, protect a very small number of, of, you know, oligarchs who are essentially running the country through their sponsored politicians. Uh, we aren't offering massive handouts. Uh, we are offering people to be able to uh, to stake out their own claim and to be able to uh, to be free to do so. And uh, it's an attractive idea, uh, but it's not one that uh, that attracts uh, uh, big donors or, or corporate media sponsors. Exactly. You take a look at the last election, and uh, people say, oh, Republicans and corporations, blah, blah, blah. No, actually, uh, Joe Biden got uh, five times more money from uh, Wall yep. Street and the banks than Trump did. And when you include the PACs, that's seven times more as well, which seems to shock some people uh, on the left. 
I want to go through some things that are going on in our country right now and just get an idea of, you know, where you stand and if you actually decide to run for president, you know, where you would stand on these issues, okay? Sure, absolutely. So we have an agreement uh, with Ukraine to, to help them out because they gave Russia's nukes back to Russia if Russia ever threatened or attacked them. And we said, well, yeah, you know, we, it doesn't have a dollar amount or anything, but uh, it said that, you know, we would help you out. Now, we're at about $170 billion to Ukraine. You're president of the United States, Libertarian Party. Uh, Where do you stand right now, and what do you do? Well, I think right now uh, is a a situation where instead of trying to find peace, uh, the United States government and I'd say the Western government are trying to uh, punish and and, and, uh, dethrone Russia in their region of the world. They want a, a unipolar system that's run entirely by the West. Uh, the fact is that risks a much greater war because as that war works its way back closer to the, the, the Russian border, if Vladimir Putin perceives this to now be a war within Russia, this could go nuclear or at the very least go into a much deeper war. Uh, and that's not good for the Ukrainian people. It's not good for the American people. It's really not good for anyone. Um, in, in my mind, the best thing we could be doing right now is to try to give Vladimir Putin an out that makes it look like it wasn't a total disaster for him without it turning into a full-scale war. And the best way to do that is to work out a deal whereby we can start de-escalating the the building up escalation that's been happening between uh, Russia uh, and China and the U.S. and NATO, uh, U.S. and, and NATO countries. Uh, and, and saying that it starts with them leaving Ukraine. And then from there, we can build out a, a blueprint of, of verifiable steps of de-escalation on both sides so that we can get to a long-term normalization of relations. Uh, the problem is that doesn't make hundreds of billions of dollars a year for the uh, military-industrial complex, and it, it doesn't uh, feed the, uh, the, the saber-rattling of neocon and neoliberal politicians. Uh, so you're not going to see that from Republicans and Democrats, but that is the best way forward. Every Every single congressional representative district in this country has some element of the military industrial complex, implying uh, 200, uh, maybe yep. even 20,000 people. So, uh, you know, they hear that and they think, wow, uh, this guy must be stopped at, at all costs. How do you overcome that? <laughs> Uh, well, we overcome that by bringing the message directly to the people. I mean, this is not going to be a, a message that's popular with General Dynamics or Raytheon or Boeing or, you know, any of the major companies uh, who make up the, uh, the, the the big military defense contractors. But for average Americans who don't want their loved ones to be uh, sent overseas and don't want uh, their, their hundreds of billions of dollars to be sent overseas either, and certainly don't want a risk of a, a, a large global conflict, which would almost inevitably become nuclear, which is all of us. I think we all have that interest. Um, If we can talk in a sober way to the American people about what this actually is, this is not some, you know, feel good effort to hurt this bad guy, Vladimir Putin. It's actually a very risky venture that could lead to a a, a much bigger and much more bloody conflict for everyone involved, including the Ukrainian people, because they're right there in the middle of it. Um, If we can do that, then we have a chance of actually uh, pushing for a real and true de-escalation that also results in, in, in Russia leaving Ukraine. If you just tuned in, it's Spike Cohen, Libertarian Party. He ran as vice president on the ticket during the last presidential election, coming into town for the Libertarian Party of Delaware's convention tomorrow. Um, so Seymour Hirsch, investigative journalist, was very, very detailed in his reporting on how the Biden administration, with Joe's approval, blew up Russian property. And that was three of the pipelines 
in the Nord Stream pipeline that goes uh, to uh, to Western Europe. In a uh, in a Cohen administration, you are presented with this opportunity. What do you say? The opportunity to blow up the pipeline. What do you say? I would say absolutely not. And I'd look to why we were even had these pipelines in the first place. Uh, the U.S. and Western countries, Western governments have uh, under the so-called banner of, of green energy have simply outsourced all their energy production to other countries where there's actually even more pollution happening um, in order to say, well, we're reducing our carbon footprint. And in doing so, they become beholden to the dictatorships and the the, the uh, the uh, theocracies of the world for their energy. It's a foolish and stupid uh, uh, measure, and, and there's no good reason for it. Uh, and for that matter, there's no reason for us to be this reliant on fossil fuels. We could simply allow for the creation of new nuclear plants, which in much of the world uh, outside of China hasn't happened in, in 30 or 40 years, uh, even though nuclear is the safest, the cleanest, the most carbon neutral, and the most grid-stable form of, of uh, large-scale energy production known to man. Uh, and we could get ourselves out of a lot of these uh, uh, energy crises that we're having in the first place. Again, this is something that doesn't serve the greater needs of creating crisis that the people in charge need to have in order to, to keep it over our heads. Right. It is the best way forward. Let's get to that uh, on climate. So you have uh, a handful of governors around the country that said, we, we need to have electric car mandates by 2034, 2035. And uh, there's been talk about a, a federal mandate uh, for electric cars in this country. Your president, do you mandate electric cars? No, of course not. First of all, it, there's nothing in the Constitution that provides for that. So even if I thought that that was a good idea, it's not. It's still not something that I should be able to do, and I'm not going to do anything that the Constitution doesn't explicitly provide for the president to do or for Congress to do, for that matter. Um, and second of all, it's not even a good idea. Uh, we should not be mandating what the market is allowed to do and what people are allowed to do. That doesn't work well. I mean, we tried that with something as simple as light bulbs, and that blew up in our face. So why would we do it with vehicles, especially right now when you're seeing uh, an increasing uh, cost to uh, things like the batteries that are used for uh, for these electric cars, when you're seeing such a strain on energy grids to begin with because of the massive increase in electric cars, most of which is happening due to market forces, and that's still not enough for the energy grids, most of which are run by governments, and that's why. Uh, so now we're going to mandate the production of uh, or mandate uh, the ownership of electric cars, which is going to put even more strain on it, on the energy grid and lead to even more brownouts and blackouts. It's utterly foolish. Uh, I, I do think electric cars are likely going to be the future for the vast majority of Americans, but we need to let the market bear that, bear that out. And if we want that to be more heavily facilitated, then we need to break up these government, government monopolies on the production of energy. Spike Cohen, you mentioned the Constitution. So debt ceiling, there are um, members of the Biden administration and other Democrats saying, Yes, why we need to uh, invoke the Fourteenth Amendment and uh, and eliminate uh, a debt ceiling uh, whatsoever, and we'll see how that goes in in court. So, uh, uh, how would you approach that Fourteenth Amendment? Uh, what if you were president? What would you be uh, recommending on the debt ceiling? Well, there's nothing in the Fourteenth Amendment that provides for the thank elimination you. of any of any That's been a pet peeve of mine for a few you, days. You thank you. Bell, this would, yeah. If you would have a bell to ring, this would be the time to do it. I did. No, listen, I, I, I think this, this is very. Oh, there you go. Perfect. There's the bell. Uh, so, um, you know, this is a perfect example of why I, I'm not involved in, as you put it, the Uniparty. You know, the Democrats want to increase the debt ceiling to 52 trillion, uh, and the the brave Republicans they they only want to increase it to 47. 
seven trillion. And of course, as we know, neither of their budgets include emergency spending. So that both of those are going to be well over what they're what they're proposing in the first yep. place. We're going to hit those ceilings far sooner. The, the simple answer is, uh, if any organization other than the government operated the way it does, it would go bankrupt and rightfully so. The government needs to spend less money than it is taking in, and it needs to be taking a lot less money from us than it is. There need to be massive cuts to government agencies and government departments across the board, wholesale. Virtually every single sector of the government needs a massive haircut. Uh, We need a government uh, that fits inside the limitations of the Constitution, and that would be one that would cost and be a lot, cost less and be a lot smaller than the one we have right now. And a, um, one of the many positive side effects from that is we wouldn't be worried about a debt ceiling because we'd be, we wouldn't be running up new debt to begin with. So you want to run for president, and uh, one of the billionaires on the board of Moms Demand Action says, okay, Spike, uh, we're going to give you a lot of money for your campaign. We're going to give um, millions of dollars to your PAC and everything. We just want you to do everything you can to ban guns uh, in this country, especially those scary semi-automatic ones that are rifles. What do you say to this billionaire who's got the checkbook out for you? Uh, I say that if you look at the places that are the most dangerous in the U.S., they're the ones where uh, the uh, common people are the least likely or least able to be able to own firearms in the first place. If you look at every mass shooting that's happening in this country, uh, almost all of them are happening in so-called no-gun zones, or as I call them, fish-in-a-barrel zones. We protect politicians with guns or people with guns. We protect money with people with guns. We protect power with people with guns, and we protect— our children with signs that say, uh, please, no guns in here. Uh, yeah. Everyone else is unarmed. One, one more pet peeve question for me. And then Randy, who's a super fan, uh, is dying over here. And uh, you got to get him on the microphone as well. So um, <laughs> Jimmy Carter uh, got elected by saying to uh, the um, education associations in, in this country, you know, you, you vote for me and I'll uh, put you, give you a seat at the table, have a Department of Education and and now our education system is one of the worst in the world, and Delaware is the one of the worst in the country. Um, would you make any changes to that administrative office if you were president? Yeah, I'd uh, completely eliminate it. Thank um, you. That's all we got to say. Last... That's it. Perfect, Randy. Uh, that's it. That's all. That's all I need, brother. Uh, you you got that's my it, vote. Okay. It, okay, Randy. Okay, uh, I love you there, Mr. Cohen. Um, you, are you going to ask him to the prom? I will. <laughs> Oh, wait, I'm sorry, sorry, I had the wrong button down. My big moment, I had the wrong button down. Big moment. He didn't I, hear I said, that. I love you there, Mr. Cohen. Thank you. And I asked him if he could take it, ask you to the prom. You. Yeah. And if you're going to invite me to the prom, fly me in the night before because <laughs> you never know what's going to happen on the airline. It'll be a week before. Nice. All right. Um, and I highly recommend everyone follow Real Spike Cohen on, uh, on, on the Twitter machine. And one of my favorite tweets. Spike is Jewish, and I still like him. I'm kidding, of course. Um, uh, One of your tweets, which you troll a bit here, uh, it's wonderful. Israel is our greatest ally. That's why they bravely saved the USS Liberty from a Palestinian (laughs) assault during the Six-Day War. Google USS Liberty for all the details. Let me Uh, ask you a question. It's one one of our greatest moments. Let me ask you a question. Because, you know, Israel said, uh, we're sorry, that may or may not be true. And uh, we may or may not have been spying upon Israel from that particular ship, but uh, they did issue a formal apology and paid millions of of dollars to the people who were killed there. We've had allies do worse. So why is this such a big deal to you? Well, because uh, prior to uh, this situation with Ukraine, uh, Israel was the easily the largest uh, beneficiary of U.S. military aid 
uh, despite the fact that it's per capita one of the richest places on earth, mm-hmm. um, and precisely because it, they have uh, fostered, and when I say they, I mean the U.S. government as well, mm-hmm. have fostered this kind of narrative that uh, Israel is our our greatest single ally, and they're, they're also very heavy well uh, in the Middle East, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. undertones to it. Uh, yeah, and so and so the whole thing is that you know, okay, Israel, we can say Israel is an ally, or at least uh, that you know it's a country that we've had good relations with. Uh, but but to sell it as being this this unwavering ally in all things, when the reality is, you know, Israel is playing every position it can have. It's increasingly cozying up to China uh, and to Russia and to and to India, and, and understandably so. I mean, Israel is not a, a pet uh, project of the U.S. and and shouldn't be treated as such. And and so you know, I, I play on that, and I, I do a, do that with a few things. You know, I'll talk about the fact that uh, you know Obama to this day still has a 90% approval rating among uh, civilians. And, and if you want to find out more, Google Obama 90% civilian. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do I do that with a few different things like that. And it's just to get people to, to look at something that they wouldn't have otherwise looked at. I do that with like Operation Paperclip and things yeah. like that. No, I, I get um, but, that. Uh, but but, but yeah, when, no. it, when it's the USS Liberty, I, I think, oh my gosh, they're playing in the shallow end intellectually. I, I Because you know, there's so much going on, as you're aware. And, um, and but it, it does lead to a larger... Uh, uh, conversation about leasing friendships, especially those who have uh, the means that we don't have to uh, to spy on enemies. Look, we spy on other countries. We spy on Israel. We spy on England. We sp- during the Obama administration, we were spying on uh, Angela Merkel's phone, for example. And so they spy on us. We spy on them. Uh, but do you think? Would you pull out uh, all of the uh, uh, the leasing of friendships uh, from uh, from countries that are actually uh, able? to keep an eye on those who actually want to do us ill? Well, what I would do is end all uh, military aid to all countries, mm-hmm. uh, including Israel, and, and not specific to Israel, but to all countries. Um, these, And we've seen long-term what that aid leads to. It leads to this weird codependent relationship we, we have with these other countries where they are entirely reliant on us for their defense, and they resent us for it, and they talk down to us, and they're able to, to their government budgets can be spent on lavish welfare states while we run up tens of trillions of dollars in debt, and uh, and no one is being well served there, again, except for the military industrial complex. So, I mean, I, I think that uh, any of these countries, especially a country like Israel or like the Western European countries, they can more than afford their own defense. If they need to have defensive uh, unions because they're smaller countries surrounded by large one, and they certainly should form those unions. There's no reason for us to be involved in that. Uh, Spike, there's some buzz on the Twitter that, uh, and, and I've read nice things that Massey has said about DeSantis. So the dream is that DeSantis may pick, it's a million, one a million shot, Thomas Massey to be his vice presidential candidate. Let's just say in a hypothetical world that that happens. So it's it's DeSantis, Massey versus Biden or whoever. Who cares who the other one is? But um, would you tell the Libertarian Party to support that ticket only on Massey? I'm not talking about DeSantis, but I'm saying just for the fact that we would get our strongest, greatest, in my opinion, greatest congressman um, as a Libertarian-ish guy as a vice president. Would you tell the people not to vote for the Libertarian candidate that might get one or two percent and, and push that towards uh towards that ticket? 
No, I tell the Libertarian Party to nominate such a good candidate that it would force uh, a, a fire to the feet of the DeSantis Massey ticket, and for that matter, to the Biden Harris ticket uh, to uh, run on on good uh, policies that are, are that reflect what we want. If they want our vote, they need to earn it, just like anyone else's. Yeah, hey, and, Spike, um, and, Spike, do you have a name? Go ahead. Do you have a name? Who that would be? Uh, Oh, I leave it to the delegates to decide that. I mean, okay. there's still a lot of people that are, including myself, who are deciding whether or not we, we're going to be running in this cycle. Uh, but we need to be – I would say that the Libertarian Party's job is to run candidates for office. And and individual party members or party voters uh, can decide how they want to vote in each given election. But the party itself should be running the best candidates possible. And if for no other reason than to hold the uh, the, the fire to the – to the feet of the uh, of the other candidates. All right, to, Spike, uh, we got to, less than we got. I got it. We got well, less. But to do the right thing when they're in the office. Got less than a minute. All right. Did you have one, one last okay. thing, Ray? No, I mean I, I agree. I respect your opinion on that. I I would rec- recommend voting for Massey, but it's not up to me. I asked you. But if it were Bill, Bill Weld as the Libertarian Party, I I think <laughs> yeah. I think you would say vote for the Massey if we ticket. We do another yeah. Bill Weld. We need to close up shop. I mean, yeah. let's be clear about that. Yeah. That was a major mistake, and we'll, we'll always be apologetic. Let's agree on that. All right. So uh, just go to LP-Delaware, all right, LP-Delaware, and uh, you'll see where the Libertarian uh, Convention is here in Wilmington going on tomorrow. All right. So, Spike Cohen, good to uh, hear from you, and I hope to meet you sometime. Absolutely. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. All right. Thank buddy. you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. He's the best.